Welcome to Blitzcats, an NFL Draft podcast brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex Kavtov and Ed Hunt. Welcome to Blitzcast number 75. This We're going to start the show with the Thursday night game. It was the Eagles against the Packers. The Eagles needed to bounce back. The Packers were an unbeaten team before last night. And obviously, it was an exciting game, Ed. So I didn't see it, unfortunately. I was was not able to be in front of the TV. I wanted to be there. I wanted to see that exciting game. And uh, t- tell me about it. Uh, what impressed you the most about the Eagles or the Packers? Well, I, th- I think the ball bounced the right way for the Eagles at the end. And I think that's the, way, the reason they won the game. It was... It was sort of a cheap interception where you know it bounced off the receiver's hands and it went into the defensive back's hands and it was in the red zone. But you know it it was very possible that the that the Packers could have come back in that game and you know Aaron Rodgers Aaron Rodgers didn't have a bad game and it was really it was really a one score game for a lot of the game. So in the end, it was just Aaron Rodgers driving and with like twenty seconds left, the pass was intercepted in the end zone. Pretty pretty close, at least on the goal line, you know, in, in, in the red zone. And, um, yeah, basically, I mean, but I, th- I thought one of the things that stood out about the game was the two guys who got carted off. Uh, it was Jamal Williams and Avante Maddox. I mean, these were brutal hits. Usually usually there's maybe one time in a game where you see a guy come off on a stretcher. But, I mean, this was twice on, you know, primetime football, and you never want to see that. Yeah, like I said, obviously it was a, it was a prime time game Thursday night, and the Eagles needed this win badly because in the first three weeks of the season, I mean they they struggled. So a great game, and if you want to bet on on sports and uh, Bovada Sportsbook, it's it's fun, safe, and it's fast. It's it's sports betting made easy. So um, go on Bovada Sportsbook, and you can bet all your favorite sports, and including football. Um, Ed. Uh, let's talk about three and O teams, just just in general. Let's run through them. Obviously, the Packers are no longer in that unbeaten um, class. I mean, obviously, and so I, I want to run through the teams that are three and O currently. Uh, it's the Patriots, which is no big surprise. Another big surprise is the Bills. I mean, the Bills are three and O, and both of the teams are are going to play on Sunday against each other. Uh, the Chiefs are also an unbeaten at three and zero, and then we've got the Rams and the Cowboys, and they're going to have big games as well. And there's another game that there's another team that's unbeaten, the Detroit Lions. They're they had a tie. They're two zero and one, so technically they're unbeaten as well. Um, obviously, the Patriots, the you know the Rams are are not a surprise that the fact that they're unbeaten. Out of all those teams that I've listed, who's your biggest surprise in terms of getting off to a hot start? Well, I'd, I'd have to definitely say the Buffalo Bills. Um, you know they have a very average to kind of below average quarterback in Josh Allen. You know average offensive line, no marquee players. You know they have a, they have a pretty decent defense though, but. Um, to be honest with you, I don't think this run lasts that mo- that long for the Buffalo Bills. So this is it. Obviously, a lot of you know. Obviously, it's probably going to end for them here against the Patriots, and 
Bavada has the Patriots. It's not a surprise. I mean, they have the Patriots as the favorites on on Sunday. They've got them at minus 7.5 against the Bills. So obviously it's going to end on Sunday. But can the Bills keep it going just in general? I mean, just getting off to a hot 3-0 and start, uh, they've got a good thing going. So... Can this Buffalo Bills team make the the playoffs as a wild card team if we project a little bit further? I I just don't see it. I, I don't see the I don't see the offensive firepower to to last them a whole season. I'm looking at their schedule. Obviously, they're going to play against the Patriots, the the Cowboys, the Baltimore Ravens, but they've got some winnable games. Like, you know, they've got a game against Miami. They're playing Miami Dolphins twice. They've got the Jets one more time. They've got the Broncos and then the Washington Redskins possibly. They've got like another five wins in them. So that already puts them in the eight-win category. And if they can get another win possibly, they could sneak in as a wildcard team at nine and seven. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm looking at their schedule and it's pretty favorable um, when you look at it down the road. Well, I don't like to get too high on a team just because they have a good start. I mean... You know, it's a 16-game season, and, you know, as they, as they would say in baseball, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah, I wanted to mention the Cowboys as well. Obviously, they're going to play on Sunday night. They're going to play against the New Orleans Saints, and, and Teddy Bridgewater looked really good in his last start. But I'm really impressed by Dak Prescott, a quarterback that I've been killing on this show for for the past year i'm just i'm not the biggest dak prescott fan but he's been impressive during the first three weeks of the season i mean he is showing to the cowboys fan to the ownership to the front office that he's worth that 40 million and they they can't possibly ignore that ed no i i totally agree that dak prescott is having a great year i mean he is the surprise quarterback in the nfl i mean he's showing that he really wants this contract um but I mean, they they have a good team. Um, I, you know, their defense is very average. But I mean, on the offensive side of the ball, they have some decent receivers. You know, Randall Cobb, Devin Smith, Amari Cooper. Um, the offensive line's good. Um, Leo Collins is having a really good year. So um, this this could be a, this could be a good Cowboys team. I, I look forward to the race in the NFC East. I think I think Philadelphia is going to be in it, and I think the Cowboys are going to be in it. It's going to be an interesting game. Obviously, this is the first real test that the Cowboys will face. They're going against a really good Saints team. But I'm impressed with the Cowboys' defense. I'm also impressed with the rookie that's been spelling uh, Ezekiel Elliott. That's Tony, Tony Pollard. He's been a nice change of pace type of running back. And a lot of people, including myself, talked about Daryl Henderson out of Memphis when he was coming out. Tony, Tony Pollard was kind of the forgotten man. But... The Cowboys drafted him, and and he's been definitely a worthy backup, a guy that can do many things on the football field. Bavada, by the way, has the Cowboys as the favorite over the Saints on Sunday night at minus three. What do you think about that? Can can the Cowboys keep this going? I mean, is this their division to take? Do you see them as the favorites right now over the Eagles? Well, you know, the Eagles kind of impressed me last night, so I could really I could really kind of stick with my, my first prediction, which was to have the Eagles win the division. I I do think the Cowboys are a good team, but I, I don't know. I mean, has, has Dak Prescott really done what he's been doing the first three games over the course of his career? Uh, he hasn't been doing that. that. That's the thing. I mean, Dak Prescott has been inconsistent 
um, from, from game to game. Obviously, he faces a real test against the New Orleans Saints, and it's going to be interesting to see how he, whether he steps up to the plate because I've had some questions about Dak Prescott in the big games when it matters the most. And this is he's been great the first three weeks of the season. I just want to see him keep it going against the Saints. Uh, another game... Uh, where we see two unbeaten teams, Ed. It's kind of a little bit of a surprise. The, the Chiefs are not a surprise that they're unbeaten at 3-0, and but the Detroit Lions haven't lost a game yet. They have a tie on their record, but Matt Patricia is, is slowly building something out there in Detroit City. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've kind of liked Detroit for a while. Um, I, I just I kind of think they're kind of redoing the whole Patriots model. I think they're trying to replicate the Patriots model. I mean, you see it like with the types of players they're drafting and even taking Patriot players in free agency and bringing in Matt Patricia. I mean, it really seems like they're trying to do what they've done in New England in Detroit. And so I, you know, I, 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 I think that this is a, a good reason to think that Detroit is for real. I mean, that, that they really know the Patriot way. It's obviously a tough division. Again, uh, NFC North is really a tough division with the Green Bay Packers, the Minnesota Vikings, obviously what the Bears did last year, right? And obviously they, they finally won a game with Trubisky and, and showed what they're made of. They still have a great defense on, on tap. So Detroit Lions do have an uphill battle because of all the great teams that they face in the NFC North division. And they're certainly not the first team that you mention when you talk about the NFC North. No, I mean Green Bay. Green Bay's had a good year too. So um, there, there's really, there's really. I mean, that's that's still a wide open division. Minnesota's a good team, so I think that's going to be a good division race to watch. That was actually your call. I mean, you picked the Packers to to win the NFC North. Again, I continue to say that that was a good call. I mean, Matt Lafleur and and Aaron Rodgers. It hasn't been perfect, but so far it has been a pretty good marriage. Yeah, and I think I, I think I, I somewhat call. I mean, I thought the Bears would be a uh, a wild card team, but I, I sort of called that the Bears weren't you know gonna you know just take the NFC North like you know a lot of other writers were trying to say. Who is the most disappointing team right now to you in the NFL besides your Steelers? I I don't want to get into that because I mean Roethlisberger is down, so I I think that's a bit unfair but out of all the teams out there that are fairly healthy who, who's been the biggest disappointment to you gosh i'll have to think about that for a bit um, is well you say the cleveland browns i mean the browns are going to face the ravens this week hasn't been the browns because it's kind of been an uneven performance so far we've seen the good and the bad and the you know obviously the browns beat the Jets that was the only worthy win and again they they had a flat performance uh last week Rex Ryan and Baker Mayfield have have gotten into it a little bit it's been fun and I just think Baker is is talking too much Ed I mean Baker Mayfield should be playing better on the football field because a lot of people expect this team to to be in the playoffs to me the Cleveland Browns and all the hype they're just not living up to it right now you know, I I thought Cleveland would be better, but I mean to say that Cleveland would just go straight from rags to riches is is a little bit unfair to a team. I mean, you know, it's a gradual. I mean, uh, you know, they call it a process, not not a, 
you know, it's not, it's not, you know, you, you stuck up draft picks and then all of a sudden one year you get a talented lineup and then it's like, you're ready to go. I mean, they still got a young quarterback. They still, they do have a lot of talent on their roster, but they got a first year head coach. So I'm not, I'm not that surprised by the Browns, but I am, I am surprised by the Saints. I mean, the fact that they lost Drew Brees, I mean, that is somewhat of a dis. I mean, maybe, maybe they haven't sort of disappointed because they've lost Drew Brees, but I think they've been a team that I thought, you know, would be kind of in that three and category and they haven't been. Let's talk about the quarterback that got picked on so much during the, the draft process. Um, by us, including us, myself, and, and you, and especially everybody else. Me. Yeah, especially me. No, uh, everybody. Everybody, Ed. Everybody picked on Daniel Jones. And to make matters worse, Daniel Jones was drafted sixth overall by the New York Giants. Nobody saw that coming. Nobody thought he was a top ten pick besides the New York Giants, besides Dave Gettleman. Obviously, they saw something in him, and he showed a lot of flashes. He showed a lot of good things during the preseason, even though he came in as a backup and he was doing it against second, third string defenses. Well, you know what? Pat Shermer made a gutsy decision, which I didn't think he was going to make. I mean, they, they said all the right things in the offseason, but they still said Eli Manning is our guy. All of a sudden, Daniel Jones gets the start during the third week of the season, a lot sooner than anybody anticipated during September. They put him in. And what does he do? He erases an 18-point deficit that the, the Giants had against the Bucks during halftime. Daniel Jones leads a comeback during the final two minutes, and it was an exciting game. I mean, the Giants won by one point. He, he did everything right during his first start. 23 for 36, 336 passing yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions, and he also scored two touchdowns on the ground. So Daniel Jones was nearly perfect during his first start. What do you think? What did you think about his performance? I mean, it's obviously it's obviously you know a big surprise. I mean, especially you know with his tape, I just didn't I didn't see this guy as really you know an accurate passer. But I guess you know this guy brought it to the NFL and. Um, you know, if if anybody should be thanking him right now, or just just in in in, in you know total total happiness, it's uh, Dave Gettleman. I mean, you know, everyone was sour on Dave Gettleman, and I mean, he was probably in his last year. I mean, if Daniel Jones doesn't have a good year like he looks like he's gonna have, you know, D- Dave Gettleman could be gone, and he still could be gone if Daniel Jones doesn't keep up what he did last game. Obviously, it's just one start. I, I don't want to get too hyped up about it like the national media are all over it you know they're like saying we apologize to Dave Gettleman Daniel Jones is the second coming of this and this and this Um, look he had a great first start but let's not overreact he's still a rookie quarterback he's still going through his growing pains but it was it was great beginning for Daniel Jones because obviously what he did on the road leading his team back he showed incredible poise if anything else I mean he just he showed like he's a real quarterback and obviously the whole thing about David Cutcliffe coaching him it's working right now Ed I mean Peyton Manning Eli Manning and now we can sort of put Daniel Jones in there as well so I think the biggest thing that Daniel Jones had working for him during the draft process and I mentioned it a few times that you know, every time you talked about Daniel Jones, David Cutcliffe was thrown into the conversation. And I just felt like it was unfair 
to compare Daniel Jones to the Manning brothers, but it seems like he's tuned it all out and he's just he's going about his business and he's handling the New York media. He's just working on his craft, getting better every day and it's working for him. And I'm sure if look, if the Giants had a number 1 overall pick, I get the feeling that they would pick Daniel Jones over Kyler Murray. Yeah, I mean, you know how it looks right now for sure. Um but I guess I guess my concern is that um, you know can he sustain it over a long time? I mean he still he still started that game and he still got himself in that eighteen point hole. So I mean I I don't I don't want to I I I think it'd be too reactionary to say you know Daniel Jones is a legitimate franchise quarterback or Daniel Jones is already you know a, a legitimate starter. I mean I think he's the guy the Giants roll with, but I just. You know, we, we have to wait and see a little bit. I know that I know you hate to hear that because it's just I mean, this is this is definitely like a this is definitely like a football black swan because I mean, when we watch the tape, I mean, this guy this guy really didn't have it. I mean, of, of first round quarterbacks, I think I've seen in the last three years. I think he might have had maybe other than other than Josh Allen, he might have had like the worst tape of, of, of the of the quarterbacks taken in the first round in the last three years. So uh, you know, I, I, it, this totally has me thrown off. Josh Allen was definitely the worst out of all the quarterbacks that we saw. Daniel Jones could be excused a little bit because Daniel Jones didn't have a great supporting cast. In, he, he played in the ACC, but he didn't have a great supporting cast. Josh Allen played in the Mountain West Conference, so it's a little bit different when he went against the Mountain West Conference teams. Um, he could kind of take over and do some of those things. I, I wouldn't necessarily say that. We saw a lot of drops from Duke receivers. We didn't see great protection for Daniel Jones. So those things were thrown out during the, the draft process. And I just think right now he's doing his due diligence. I mean, the guy is picking things up really quickly. And what I'm impressed with him is he's processing information really quickly. He's able to work through those progressions. He's able to find the, the wide open guy, even though they don't have OBJ anymore. They, they don't have that number one wide receiver. And he's still, I mean, he's still getting those guys open. So look, I, I want to temper the expectations a little bit, but I want to sing his praises because uh, out of all the rookie quarterbacks that we've seen, obviously he is He's been the most legitimate one, and uh, he went against the Bucks team that, again, he had to come back, and he got himself into that hole, but he was able to get himself out, especially in the second half. Yeah, I mean, you know, you have to give him credit. I mean, it's not like the Giants have a lot of, have a lot of, you know, he has a great supporting, he doesn't have a great supporting cast on the offense. I mean, he doesn't have... You know Odell Beckham Jr. You know in his receiving core, like he did a you know like like they had a year ago, like Eli Manning had a year ago. But um, this this is just I just I just don't want I just don't want to overreact to this because I, I just to be honest with you, I just going back to my original my original gut feeling. I mean, I just I didn't I didn't believe in I didn't believe in Daniel Jones, and it, it's it's hard for me to see him really. Um, you know, going out and being a successful quarterback. This is, like I said, it's all a projection right now. Obviously, the Giants saw somebody that's going to get better. Uh, if you surround them with the pieces necessary, and so far they haven't, obviously they feel like he had the upside um, out of all the quarterbacks that they saw in the draft. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. Obviously, the Giants are going to go against the Redskins. 
on Sunday. Uh, I, I thought I was going to see Dwayne Haskins against Daniel Jones. I'm not going to get to see that, and uh, it's unfortunate. I, I want to see Haskins as well. I, I just, you know, the Redskins right now are 0-3, and they're saying that, that Dwayne Haskins isn't ready, but it, it's time to put him in there as well, and it's time to get him some reps because he's also going to make his mistakes, but you you got to give him a legitimate shot. You're, you're not going anywhere if you're the Redskins with, with Gase Keenum. So you got to find out what you have in the young quarterback. So the Giants pulled the trigger on Eli and put Daniel Jones in. I praise them for that. Uh, I hope that, that Gruden is going to do the same with with Dwayne Haskins. Yeah. I realize that he's fighting for his job, but look, they're 0-3 right now. I'm Time to put Haskins in as well. So we've seen Kyler Murray. We've seen Daniel Jones. It's time to see Haskins, and uh, that's what I'm rooting for. I, I want to see him. Maybe not this game, but I hope I'm going to get to see him in October. Well, I mean, the, so, right, well, I mean, the thing is, is that Case Keenum has played better than we thought he would. But where are they going, Ed? I mean, this is an 0-3 team. You can't put it all on the quarterback, obviously, because the the Redskins lack the playmakers, and, and, and they haven't been a great team in general. But look, I, I realize that Gruden is on the hot seat, and he wants to win games, and he realizes that Case Keenum gives him the best shot. But the organization has got to look realistically on this season. 0-3 is, is a brutal start, and... The, the Giants have realized it, that they want to develop a, a rookie quarterback like Daniel Jones. Uh, that's how the Redskins have got to approach it. they got to put Dwayne Haskins in and just let him learn and, and work on those mistakes and work through it and see what they have. And I, I'm, just, I'm calling for Dwayne Haskins to get the starting nod sooner than later. Well, I'd have to say if if they put Haskins in like the next game, you know, they go 0 and 4 and then they put Haskins in, then we really have to say that the 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 idea of sitting a quarterback for a year, the era of that is over and that, you know, just the, you know, if you draft a quarterback in the first round, he's going to start eventually once he learns the playbook. Oh, they definitely do. That that's not working anymore. Nobody's sitting these quarterbacks anymore. I think we saw that last year with with Mayfield and Darnold and and Rosen, I mean, teams are willing to adjust their offenses a little bit, open it up, uh, give them maybe a, a lighter playbook, and just roll with it. And I think we're seeing the same thing this year. This uh, sitting quarterbacks is just, it, it, it's not working anymore. It's not happening. Unless you have, you know, a Tom Brady or an Aaron Rodgers, you're not going to sit quarterbacks anymore. And I think that's pretty evident the, the past couple of years from what we've seen. Let's move on to college football, Ed. Um, the biggest game of the weekend last weekend was Michigan against Wisconsin. And both you and I picked Michigan to go to the college football playoff. We thought they were going to be kings in the Big Ten uh, with Shea Patterson, Jim Harbaugh. We, we thought this was going to be their year to arrive and kind of put a stamp on it, especially with Urban Meyer moving on. Well, you know what? Ohio State has played better. Michigan has struggled through the first couple of weeks, and and it really showed during Wisconsin. I mean, Wisconsin, it was a pretty easy win for them. Wisconsin obliterated them. I'm I'm not afraid to say that they beat Michigan handedly, 35 to 14. It, it was really an embarrassing performance. 
Yeah, you know, I, I actually wrote on Twitter, I th- I said, you know, Wisconsin's going to roll over Michigan, and I could just feel it before the game. I mean, just Michigan has looked terrible this year, and, you know, it really, it really wasn't a surprise to me. I mean, you know, looking before the season, Michigan looked like they were going to be a good team. They were going to be in the college football playoff, but... You know they played ter- they played terrible. You know the weeks leading up to the Wisconsin game, and then you know it just it wasn't a surprise that Wisconsin basically made them look like an FCS team. Well, I mean it was really terrible. I mean Patterson has not only against Wisconsin, but he has struggled. He has pressed and he has struggled in that new offense, which was gonna supposed to help him. And they brought in a new offensive coordinator from Alabama. And just Patterson has looked lost. He really has. He he hasn't brought his A game at all. And, and Michigan couldn't establish a run game at all. It just completely struggled. So what are we to think about this? Will Michigan be able to bounce back a little bit from this game? Which could happen, but still have some tough games on, on schedule. Or are we looking at a team that's going to be 8-4 and four the rest of the way? I, I don't I don't think Michigan's gonna be eight and four. I I haven't seen anything from Michigan. I I mean I I've, I I I'm I pretty much have Ohio State penciled in for the Big Ten at this point. Yeah, it's like I said, it was brutal. It's uh, I also jumped on the bandwagon with Michigan. I just felt like this was gonna be their year, and it's just not happening. I mean, nobody's stepping up to the plate, and at this point, the the quarterback driving this cattle. Uh, hasn't hasn't looked impressive at all. And let's talk about Wisconsin then. I mean, Wisconsin right now looks like a shoe-in for the Big Ten West Conference. I mean, they really do. Northwestern has struggled. Iowa has been all right. Uh, but Wisconsin looks like the team to beat in the Big Ten West. Can, can they legitimately challenge a team like Ohio State in the Big Ten Conference championship game? No, but I do think they win the division. I, I think Ohio State Ohio State has looked great too. I think Ohio State has looked better than Wisconsin. What? No, I agree with you. Justin Fields has been lights out. But let's talk about Wisconsin a little bit. Obviously, after that big win against Michigan, they rose from number thirteen to number eight in the AP Top Twenty Five poll, um, and that happened on Sunday. Their running game has—it's not a surprise. I mean, it has been lights out. Jonathan Taylor won over. 200 yards against Michigan. He was the main catalyst. And that offensive line just owned Michigan defensive front. What's been impressive is they, they, it seems like they finally found a quarterback, Ed. Jack Cohen has been more of a manager, but he's been taking care of the ball. His numbers have been impressive, and so far he's thrown zero interceptions. So it seems like Wisconsin has finally found a competent game manager that can that can take them a long way. Yeah, you know, and you know their offensive line is. I mean, they they've replenished on the offensive line like better than they have in the past. I mean, or, or you know, like I thought, you know, with all the guys that came out for the draft this year, I thought they were gonna you know be a weaker year for their offensive line, but their offensive line has really stepped up to the plate. No, I mean, obviously Wisconsin always has a great offensive line. They seem to reload every year and just. That, that's the one thing that they never had a problem with. I wanted to mention another uh, team that had an upset. Uh, not, not many upsets, obviously, last weekend. But USC beat number 10 Utah. 
it was it was a close game, 30 to 23, but the Trojans look primed. I mean, once again, they're they're a team that improved to three and one, and I think they have a big game against Washington this week. Correct? It's Washington against USC, and they're both three yeah, and yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, that's and... that's correct. Yeah, Washington is playing USC, which. I'm I'm excited to see that. I mean, obviously Washington had a tough loss against Cal early in the year. Washington always has a great defense, but it's going to be interesting to see the Trojans against the the Huskies on on Saturday. Yeah, well, you know, USC really hasn't hasn't shown that they're playing, you know, second and third string quarterbacks. So, um I you know, I I have to probably give the edge to Washington. I know USC has got the streak, but um, you know, USC really hasn't faced a really good team with a, you know, with a, with a, with, you know, they've, they've played, you know, these backup quarterbacks. And I think this is the first week that that gets challenged. I know that off the air, you, you and I talked about, you mentioned that you were impressed with Notre Dame and the way they played against Georgia. Obviously Georgia was the clear cut favorite, but Notre Dame played really well, especially in the front seven on defense and just was able to kind of hold that explosive Georgia offense. Obviously, the Bulldogs won the game. I don't want to overreact a little bit, but it was a lot tougher than I think the Bulldogs anticipated. Yeah, Notre Dame Notre Dame seems to have it in the early part of the season, but it, it just, I mean, you, you think back to how they did in the playoff, and you, you really realize, you know, are they really an elite team? Are they really a college football playoff team? You know, they're definitely a top 10 team, but are they are they that sort of, you know, marquee top four franchise that they expect to be with that tradition. Obviously, they're going to play against Virginia. Uh, they've got Virginia on the schedule and Bryce Perkins. Uh, Virginia has a good quarterback there, a good senior quarterback. And it's going to be interesting to see. I think Notre Dame gave it all it had. It just, it brought it. It brought the energy. It brought the defense and, and played really, really hard. I haven't seen a team play that hard in a while and obviously they've got Virginia this week and it's going to be interesting to see whether they're going to have that letdown um, emotional letdown against Virginia what do you think about that well you know Ian Book has looked good so far and I I don't know I don't know if I would I I, I would pick Notre Dame against Virginia I think I think Notre Dame is the better team there Um, you know Ian Book has looked pretty good this year Obviously, it's going to be interesting to see. Another exciting game that I'm looking forward to, Virginia against Notre Dame, to, to find out if, if Notre Dame is for real. Um, wanted to mention, Bovada has got you covered. Uh, basketball, football, hockey, baseball, whatever you want. Whatever your favorite sport is, uh, you, can just, you can bet on your favorite sports over a host of different uh, betting platforms. Bovada has got you covered. Um, Ed, Obviously, we talked about the NFL. We, we talked about college football. Let's move on to our favorite segment that we usually do every week. And, and we're going to talk about another running back. It seems like it, it's getting old, Ed. You and I talked about wide receivers before. Now we're talking about running backs every week. And we're just we're getting excited about these playmakers. And this week, we're going to talk about Travis Etienne, uh, the, the talented junior running back from Clemson. So... Um, tell me what what gets you excited about this prospect? Well, I like the way he bounces well to the outside. I think he can be an explosive runner as an interior runner, which is something you don't see as much from you know. I mean, you see in college, but you don't see that much from NFL guys. Um, 
I think he's a tough runner. I think he can show some power. Um, I think he has good vision. I think he reads his blockers well. Um, not asked to pass protect a lot. I guess that's like kind of a weakness I see in his game. But I, I love what I see from him. I think this is a really good running back class. Well, I think the one thing that really stands out about Travis Etienne, just when you look at him, is his speed. He can run away from anybody. And he's a legitimate 4-3 guy. Because the way he gets to the outside, the way he bounces um, around that corner and can take it to the house at any time. I think we saw that last year as well against Alabama in the championship game. We saw it against Georgia Tech this year. He's just he's an explosive guy that is tough to stop. And he can take it 80 yards to the house. I think he's more comfortable running off tackle those sweep runs i mean that that's what he likes to do when when he gets those outside runs he's able to read those blocks he's able to read that defender he can make people miss in the open field and i still say even though he has bulked up since his freshman season he has gotten bigger he's become a better inside runner in general i do feel that he is more of a finesse guy he's more of a guy that wants to take it to the outside and and make that explosive play. He's not a guy that, that's going to fight for tough yards on every run. I mean, you see flashes of it, but he's still more more of a guy that, that's comfortable on those outside runs, and, and that's what he prefers to do. Yeah, I, lo- I like you know sort of both aspects of his game. I think he has the speed, the breakaway speed, as you said. I think he cuts well. But I, I I really think he has he has kind of like a sneaky power, a sneaky toughness to his game too, and I think he can be a sort of an every down back in the league because of that. I think you can I think you can you can roll him out there sort of in a goal line situation or a tough yard situation. When you um, when you compare him, and we do this, it seems like every week. Obviously, we've got Jonathan Taylor. We talked about DeAndre Swift. Uh, where do you slot Travis Etienne in this group, just in general? Not to compare him, but you see him as a first-round type of guy? Oh, definitely a first-round type of guy. And I think, I think I'd think i probably take him over J.K. Dobbins. Okay, I th- but Dobbins is still a first-round guy for you. I mean, Dobbins is a first-round guy for me. Um, I, li- I like Dobbins. I like Etienne. I like DeAndre Swift. I like Jonathan Taylor. I think Jonathan Taylor is probably number one. I'd have to say... I I think, I think Swift, I think Swift and Etn, I think that's a tough one. You know, I'd probably put Etn over Swift. I'd probably put Swift third, and then you know just because Swift is more of a speed guy, where I see Etn is more of a you know complete back. Um, J.K. Dobbins is probably fourth, but all of them are legitimate first round feature back. You know, draft him, draft him in fantasy running backs. Yeah, you know, there's one thing I continue to harp on this. Obviously, in today's NFL, you got to be able to catch the ball out of the backfield. And ETN has those soft hands. I mean, he looks like a natural receiver coming out of the backfield. He plucks those balls out uh, when he's coming out of the backfield. Just it, it looks so easy to him. It's almost like Alvin Kamara. He could be like a receiver out there, for God's sake, the way he catches that ball. And it's just... I think he can do it with his eyes closed. But the one thing is, he's got to get better in pass pro. That That's something that, it's kind of hit and miss with him. There are times that he comes up and is able to pick up that inside 
backer coming on an inside blitz, and there are times that he whiffs on it and just allows pressure on Trevor Lawrence. And that's the one thing I got to see him improve on because I don't have that problem with DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift is a natural pass protector already for such a young player. I don't see that with Travis Etienne, but obviously he's got room to grow. But as a receiver, Etienne is as good as it gets. You and I must be watching the same tape because I mean, when I when I look down my my sort of sheet of notes, I the, really the only weakness that I really see is his pass protection. I mean, I I see I see a guy who really has it in every other way though. Well, I'm glad that we're watching the same tape this week. You and I watched a different tape with, with Andrew Thomas a few weeks ago, uh, the talented offensive tackle out of Georgia. So at least we're, we're seeing the same thing with, with Travis Etienne here. Let's move on to the defensive side of the ball, Ed. Uh, you and I have been struggling to find defensive players in, in, in the 2020 NFL Draft. I'm sure we'll identify a few more of them as the season progresses. But right now we're kind of like, we're trying to find good players. We're trying to find those guys that, that could sneak into day one or possibly be day two picks because obviously next year's draft is is going to be all about the offensive side and especially with wide receivers and running backs, and we seem to mention that every week. But we decided to talk about another talented cornerback. He's a junior out of Utah. His name is Jalen Johnson, and, and last year he was kind of a breakout player. Uh, you know, he was a first-team All-Pac-12. He started all 14 games a corner. He led Utah with four interceptions. He was tied for third in the Pac-12. And he was also really good at, at returning yards. When, when he was getting that interception, he was trying to return it for a touchdown. He did with one of those, with one of those picks. He's a good tackler. Uh, he seems to have good length. He's athletic. I'll let you continue, Ed. Jalen Johnson, um, a talented cornerback out of Utah. What are his main strengths? Well, I think he's a good cover guy. Um, I think he's a good tackler. Um, I think he plays with some physicality and coverage. I think this is a good, you know, sort of first round cover corner. Um, I do see some weaknesses in his game that I think we'll talk about later. But you know, I I think overall good cover guy, good physicality. I mean, he has he has the physicality and the mirroring ability which are two things that you'd love to see in a corner. Usually you get one or the other, but you're getting both with this guy. Well, he's long. Uh, he needs to bulk up, but he's long. He's athletic. He can get physical with receivers. He, he won't back down. He's aggressive in press, press coverage. He likes to jam those receivers. And overall, like I said, his strength is it's probably one of the big biggest uh biggest things that he, that he shows he also changes directions really well you, you mentioned the mirroring ability he changes directions really fluidly for a guy who's about six feet tall now let's talk about those weaknesses ed obviously every player has has a weakness even the great ones have weaknesses uh let, let's mention a few of them for for jalen johnson well, I think one of the things that I saw is I think he can be a little bit flat-footed, and it's it's something where you have to really study the tape to see it. But he he is a little bit flat-footed, and it, I mean, it, one particular time it was a little bit embarrassing. But I mean, you know, it's not it's not something that's like a, a, a you know completely obvious. But I think I think if you write the run the right route, you know, catch him sort of on that. Um, 
you know, he can be a little bit flat-footed. Um, I think he opens up his hips a little too early sometimes. I think sometimes, you know, he, he, he misreads the receiver and thinks they're going to go deep or thinks they're going to run a post route. And then he sort of opens up his hips and then they sort of turn. So I, it looks like... The, and he allows too much of a cushion there. Yeah. When, when he does that, he allows too much of a cushion, especially on those short throws. And he can get exposed there. Yeah, I... I mean, these are these are things that are that are sort of detailed, but I I do see him missing coverage. I think I think he need. It's it's not necessarily that he's a bad cover guy. I think he just needs to be sharper. I think he, you know, it seems like maybe he needs to trust his technique. I mean, he needs to trust his technique a little bit more, in my opinion. Yeah, it, it almost seems like it almost seems like he's trying to pattern read a little bit, and he he's able to just sort of do that you know, better in certain circumstances, but others not. But I mean, this is a relatively young guy. I mean, he's a third year, third year player. I mean, he's a junior, true junior. So, you know, this is a guy who might, who might have to do a little bit of developing, um, you know, into the NFL, but um, I still, I still think he's a legitimate NFL starter. I mean, maybe not, you know, maybe he's not like a, you know, like a top shutdown guy, but I think he's still, I think he still has the ability, and you know the other thing I, I do want to mention before we, you know, I, before we get off it is I think he's kind of an active and run support guy. You know, he is he is sort of a versatile corner. Like he's not, you know, he's not just a cover guy like some of these LSU guys. All right, fair enough. I mean, I, I like you know I like corners that that can be active and run support guys that can that can do some things there, and I just I, I love guys like that that can tackle. That can help there because it gives you an extra dimension out there. I think good corners need to be able to tackle. With all due respect to Deion Sanders out there, but I just I feel like as a defender you need to be able to tackle. Some safeties tackle better than corners, but I mean you have to show the want to there. And a lot of corners don't want to don't want to tackle. They they don't want to do that. You know, there's one more weakness that I felt like I saw on tape, and he gets too grabby and. I just feel like he, he needs to let go of the receiver. That's going to be a problem in the NFL, and he seems to have a tendency. I realized that he was he was a first-year starter last year. A lot of the games that I watched was from last year. He's only in his second year coming back, but he needs to let go of the receiver once he gets past five yards. He's not getting called for it right now, but he's going to get called for it in the NFL. Trust your technique. Trust you know your, your feet. Move them. And don't grab the receiver. And I, there were times that I saw that downfield, and I was like, God, that should have been a penalty. And uh, it's just right now he's allowing himself to do too much. I realize you want to be aggressive. You want to you know, get in the face of the wide receiver. But just let him go. Trust your technique. Well, I, I sort of saw the same thing as you did. I, my question is, is, like, is, he, is he able to just give enough contact where he doesn't get called? But he's able to sort of razz the receiver. I mean, that's kind of one of the things that I sort of thought when I walked away from the tape is that he's sort of smart enough to be able to sort of, you know, be physical, but also not, you know, also get away with it. I mean, is that what you're seeing? Or are you, see, are you seeing this as something that he's going to get called at the next level? No, I think he's going to get called with it at the next level if he doesn't adjust, to, to be honest with you. Because in college, corners get away with a little bit more pushing and shoving. Obviously, the... The referees try to do a good job with it, but 
you see college corners get away with a little bit more, especially in today's NFL, especially the way they're, they're calling pass interference right now, especially this season. Um, but, you know, offensive pass interference, defensive pass interference, those numbers are up right now. And it seems like corners can't do anything right now. This is the way Bill Belichick coached uh, the Patriots DBs against the Rams back in the Super Bowl. But this was like 20 years ago. Right now, nobody's playing like that. Offense definitely has the upper hand. And, and corners, if they want to get grabby with the receiver, they have to do it within the first five yards. And then they have to let go. And I just think it's a little bit of a problem. And Jalen Johnson is going to have to adjust to that type of uh, not being able to grab, especially during his junior year. That's something he's got to work on. And I just think it's just trusting his technique and being a corner, being a sound corner. He's not that right now. It's not like I'm being critical of him. He's a very talented guy. But right now, I don't see a first-round corner when I'm evaluating Jalen Johnson. I see more of a day-two pick. What about you? You know, I think he, I think he's a first-round corner. I think he can be a starter in the league. I think he he probably need to develop a little bit. I mean, it, it, you know, nowadays it's like you develop in training camp. Um, one of the things that I like about him is that I think he's a guy who can play in the slot and in the outside. He's probably more of a primarily an outside guy, but I think he can play in the slot if he's asked to be. If they if they need right. him to. Fair enough. I mean, that's it's legitimate. I mean, you want corners to be able to to play different spots, um, outside and inside. And I think that's that's a fair assessment right there. And anything you want to just mention? Uh, we're finishing up a show. Any closing statements? I can't really think of one. I mean, I, I guess I guess you know, I just I see a lot of injuries this year. I, I don't. I guess we we see a lot of injuries every year, but it seems like this year there's just a lot of injuries and a lot of guys getting carted off, and it seems like it's in these prime time games and. Um, you know that's obviously not something you want to see, and you you know it is a part of the game, but it's been it's it's made it harder to watch some of these games. Yeah, I I, I want to mention that I was such a believer in Michigan before the season started, and I've been really disappointed in what they've done. And it seems like they've thrown in the towel, and nothing is working. And I I realize that new coaches were brought in, new offensive system, but it's just it's brutal to watch and. I just think it's time to maybe pull the trigger on Shea Patterson and let a backup quarterback go in and, and try something different because it's certainly not working. And if it's going to continue going this way, if Michigan wins, if, if they go like 9-3, and three, I don't think Harbaugh is going to survive this season. This was a perfect season for him to legitimately challenge and go to the college football playoff. And it's certainly not happening right now. And Wisconsin has definitely impressed me the way they handled Michigan and I think this team is for real and I think if we see Mich- Wisconsin against Ohio State in the uh, in the Big Ten championship game I do think that Wisconsin has the recipe to beat the Buckeyes this year because Urban Meyer isn't there they still have Justin Fields as as the first year starting quarterback and uh, with them running the football, they can manhandle Ohio State front with their offensive line. I, I think Wisconsin is a legitimate contender, not only in the Big Ten, but I, I see them you know, challenging Ohio State and possibly getting into the college football playoff. That's, that's a strong statement that I wanted to make in the end. All right. Well, uh, I think it's time to close the show. Yeah, this was Blitzcast number uh, 75. I'm Alex Kaftoff. For my partner, Ed Hunt, 
Uh, We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. Take care.